Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. Once you've conquered your first 5k, you're probably thinking, maybe I can do 10. Once you've done 10, it's pretty normal to think, I wonder how fast I can do that. Training for 10k is a very different beast. Today on Irishman Running Abroad, Ireland's best 10,000 metre runner of all time joins me as usual to talk about the approach we should all take to scaling this mountain and getting our 10k time to where we would like it to be. Sonia, great to talk to you again. What's the right headspace to go after a fast 10k, do you think? Let's start there. I think, well, the big thing chasing a 10k is, I suppose, knowing where you're at and Mm. knowing what's realistic because the 10k is quite different to the 5k. The 5k, you can probably get away with it. You know, you can start out hard, you can survive a little bit in the middle and then before you know it, the finish is in sight. The 10k there's a bit more in the middle mm. to do it and to get yourself through. And I think I have actually run this run that you're going to run. It's next Monday, isn't it? That's the Vitality right. Vitality 10,000. 10, yeah. 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 And it's a per, it's a lovely setting, you know, down the mall. And it's it's predominantly a flat course. London is pretty flat mm. town. And the the roads are pretty good in London at the moment. So, yeah, I think you'll be carried along. And as long as you don't, you know, get carried away at the start. I think you're probably in a pretty good position to enjoy this race and also to surprise yourself with a nice finishing time. Your first ever 10 kilometre road race, I believe. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, later on in the show, we'll be joined by Coach Trevor Cummins to get uh, even deeper insights and tips on preparing for the fast 10k. Trevor is fresh off the back of a win over the weekend in Donegal. So we'll hear all about that too. He's flying to London next weekend to join us for the Vitality 10,000. If you live in London or the surrounding areas, why not join us? The Irishman Running Abroad Strava Club is where you need to go for all the details, where we will be meeting. And even if you're not running it where you can just meet us for a a drink on the grass afterwards or get some water into you afterwards it'd be a lot of fun it one week is just not long enough to train for this Sonia so like you said I'm trying to figure out where I am with this race we'll talk we'll talk a bit more about that later on but why don't we just find out what things are like in Flagstaff I only had a look this week and realized you're up so high like you're you're at such an altitude there. My first question was, are you finding it difficult just to get about the daily stuff? Like, is even that hard work, never mind running? Actually, the daily stuff is not bad at all. I don't mind that. But I'm finding it quite difficult to run. Uh, more so than ever before, really. really? I, I, was here one, I was here once before in 2008, and just for a few days. And there was a group of Australian athletes training here and I had just run the Boston Marathon and I came through here just to have a look at it because, you know, as runners, we're always curious about these training places that people go to and flock to, I suppose, and why they come. And I really didn't like it at the time. And a lot of that could have been because I was tired after running the Boston Marathon and just wasn't feeling good running. So then I came here last week, last Sunday I arrived and... Yeah, no, I wasn't having a good feeling on Monday and Tuesday about this place. I was thinking. Really? And and it's amazing how just the ability to run or, you know, 
the environment can make you place and it makes you question you know why athletes would come here and train and i yeah i mean it still wouldn't be my number one training place in the world i mean a lot of people they love it and there's a lot of athletes here we went for a long run yesterday and i just like to go to these places to kind of see all the different places where people run Mm. and work out you know is there some good running here (laughs) yeah because there's so many trails but in a way i was trying to tell people i said it's kind of it's too much and so then you can't read it's very hard to kind of settle on you know the runs that you do on certain days and where you train so it's taken me a good week to kind of settle in and find i mean you know i'm not i'm not here to run myself but it does help Mm. when you can get a good run in yourself and you kind of set yourself up for the day so for a few days there, I was setting myself up for the day with Wordle. That was my only kind of contentment was being able to get the Wordle out. Which is also infuriating as well. I mean, <laughs> I, I know what you mean about being spoiled for choice. A bit of kind of the Netflix feeling of, oh, what, what am I, what's best here? When you nearly, you're paralysed by having too many places to go, too many, too much potential. Is that what you mean by... Uh, the bad feeling that you got around finding the right spaces. Yeah, like everything is when there's too much choice, you know, you, you just can't make your mind up what to do. Yeah. And then you, it's like, you know, when you go to a cake shop and there's so many cakes <laughs> yeah. and it's this one day that you've decided I'm going to have a cake today, but you're so afraid you're going to pick the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're just going to like totally spoil the, you know, the treat that you've given yourself. You think, oh, I wish I had <laughs> instead. So I've decided, you know, I'm just going to go wherever the athletes are going and just try everything out. Hmm. And then, of course, I had the problem with my watch, didn't I? Yeah. What, how did that work um, out? So, well, I, the first day I was here, I did go to the Walmart and a few different shops looking to see if I could find myself a decent watch. And at one stage, I was going to go just for a plain old Timex. Really? And then I actually met up with the... Um, um, massage therapist who's here with the Melbourne Track Club and the Dublin Track Club, Andrew White. So I had booked myself in because I thought, no, I haven't had a good treatment in a long time. And I'd go and see him. And um, as I was leaving the house, I said, does anyone, because there was a load of athletes over, does anyone here happen to have a spare Garmin? And uh, he goes, oh, yeah, I have one. A spare one? <laughs> like, oh, a spare one, yeah. Wow. Because, and... So Andrew White is the name of the physio. He's from Melbourne and he's here. It's his first time in America, he told me yesterday when I was out running with him. And um, he actually had two spare because then I off- he said he used, sets his Garmin off the spare one for um, when he goes down to the track with the athletes to help out with timing. Yeah. And so I said to him when he was, I knew they were going to the track and I said, oh, listen, if you need the watch, um, you can have it, you know, for the track. I'll give it back to you. And he said, no, no, it's okay. I have another one. <laughs> so he had three. <laughs> what is this guy like? Um, I, I just followed so him I, here. Yeah, I see him here on Instagram. You can follow Andrew White, massage therapist, Whitey Massage, if you want to keep up with this guy and his three garments up his arm like a like a B.A. <laughs> Baracus of old. <laughs> yeah, he's collecting the things. I mean, it's only when you go to the shop you realise they're so expensive. Like, you're wearing a computer on your wrist. Must be doubly gutting now to realise that it's sitting in the shower in Cove. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just just having a rest for a few months, I think. Yeah. Uh, but then when you you know when you get someone else's garment, they've got it all set up different, so it kind of takes a while to work the whole thing out. 
yeah. and for some reason this one it keeps recording that i'm running at night time <laughs> even though i have i've changed the time and everything and then um I was missing the maps for a few days. It wouldn't I give me any that. maps. I saw that. I thought you were just being very secretive about your location. There was no, no maps. No, no. And I was dying. I wanted the maps because I wanted to see where I could go. Yeah. Because, you, know, you know, when you're on a, a basic trail, you want to see where you can tangent off to different places. So that's actually now because I've worked out how to put the maps back on. But it just means that I now have to go and redo all these runs that I've done already <laughs> <laughs> so I can see the maps. So I've got something to do this week, you know, apart from working and getting myself to the track to time the athletes. And then I had another problem. I was at this, the track in Sedona on Friday night. I went down with Craig Engels. Oh, it looked beautiful. And um, he was doing some 400 meters and there was a few different groups down there and they were all jumping in together doing the session. And they were just setting off and I had my coach's stopwatch and would you believe it, it the battery went, <laughs> it was blank. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. So I'm having lots of watch drops. So then now all weekend I've been trying to figure out how to get a screwdriver small enough to open it up and put a battery in and I need to have it done by 11 o'clock today. So I've got... Um, what have I got? Three hours to start this I mean, thing out. <laughs> in the 80s in Ireland, this was the job of the jeweller. This is how Irish jewellers made their money in the rough times in Ireland. It was just get your watch to the jeweller. And the price of replacing the battery would, who knows what the price of that would be. It would just depend on the town that you were in. But uh, <laughs> they, th- those days are gone and you're back there now, Sonia, with the tiny the tiny little screwdriver trying to fig- figure it oh, out. Oh, I know. It's like you get to a point and you think it's probably easier to just get on Amazon Prime and just order a new one. Yes. And it will probably be easier because, you know, I have to open it to find out what battery. And I went to the equivalent of Bunnings in Australia or what would it be? Home base in Ireland. No, home base in the UK. What's the one in Ireland? Um, Um, Woody's. 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 And thinking I would get a screwdriver there, but that's way too high tech. There, <laughs> yeah, and they cost way too much. Yeah, like, no, you need a yard brush. Is what you can get out of there. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I think I need to go to maybe Walmart or or a chemist. Maybe might help. Yes, you know, it's, they'd, it's, it's, they'd like have them one. For, they'd have them for the for, for the glasses, glasses. exactly. Um, that's the one I need. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, last week is obviously kind of. You you mentioned that you were having a few niggles yourself. I mentioned that I twinged this patella tendon that I was like, what the hell? I've never had this pain before. I bopped into the uh, physio and, uh, you know, with the help of the Strava Running Club, I have to give a shout out to the Irishman Abroad Strava Running Club and the outpouring of kindness that I received when I said I've got a pain here. What's the story? Load of people got in touch and were like, I know exactly what that is. That's this and you need to do this. But bottom line was you need to go and see a professional, right, Sonia? There's no uh, there's no substitute for actually seeing somebody and getting assessed. Uh, so I had a meeting with Faith here at the Orchard Massage uh, place in St. Albans. And she basically told me exactly what Trevor told me a year ago when I was injured back then you got to work on the back of these legs. There is too much sitting down. There's too much driving going on. And the the glute muscles, the butt muscles and hamstrings and the tight calves are producing this this pain. But uh, it wasn't it wasn't the um, the best medical or uh, consultation I had last week. Any guesses, Sonia, as to what my best medical consultation was last week? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, <laughs> I caught you on the hop there, checking to see if I'm you were a, still paying attention. 
have I not been paying attention to all week? <laughs> I went to I Lister Hospital for my annual or it's actually now it's like every ah, three yes. years they take you in to see how is the man with one kidney doing? Now, so this would have been 2018 was the last time they saw me in person. And uh, I have to say, it was one of those meetings with a doctor where you walk out with a spring in your step because they were like, who is this guy <laughs> compared to the guy in 2018? So 2018, they had me listed as uh, weighing 108.9 kilograms, which is heavy by anyone's estimation. They popped me up on the scales the other day and with shoes off, I was a tiny bit over 90 kilograms. And, you know, that's a ridiculous swing, Sonia, in such a short period of time. All my numbers are better. Everything is better. All thanks to the running, obviously. So they wanted me to say thank you to you and the community for turning me around and getting me on the straight and narrow because I don't think they were worried. But like, you know, that wasn't great the last time I was in. They're probably really impressed that you would go and do something like that without being told to do it. And, yeah. you, and you didn't. And that wasn't your goal when you set out no, to do it. The goal wasn't to lose not. weight. Yeah. The goal wasn't really for anything other than to get better at running. And then all these bonus mm. positive health benefits came along. So absolutely. You know, there's a lesson. There's a lesson there that you, you know, whatever you decide to do in running or fitness, it's the motivation to get you to do it. And then there's all these other things, benefits that come along with it. Yeah. And I do have um, to say that I do like that you. That would probably be, they would be the motivation for other people, maybe. Exactly. And, you know, you you and I have talked about how much we both enjoy food. And I just, I haven't really, if anything, I've eaten more food uh, since starting running. But, you know, my metabolism is through the ceiling now. So I really enjoy my grub. Uh, it's better grub. But uh, I'm eating more food than ever before. So I took a deep dive after that into this 10K training, which is the subject of our episode today. And you know what a deep dive looks like for me. It's it's really just YouTube videos and podcasts and really just devouring everything I could on it. And I stumbled across one thing, Sonia, and I, again and again. And each person that said it, I was like, we've discussed this on the show and you've always been like, why are people bringing these gigantic bottles of water with them on their runs? And we've both been out for runs going, look at your man. He's nearly got like a Ballygown water cooler on his back for when he gets to stop to have a drink. But every time I, I looked up something, they said that for 10K training at the very least, you're going to need to bring some water with you if you're a heavy sweater. Now, Tina's always made the joke that Jarlath is such a heavy sweater uh, when he runs and takes part in exercise. She says she has no fear of anybody falling in love with me while I'm out there. <laughs> <laughs> she says I absolutely stink and look grotesque with this buckets of sweat coming off me. But here's the thing, Sonia, I I went out for the run on Sunday. People can see it on Strava. 16 to 17k easy effort. And at 10k, I couldn't figure out why, but I completely tanked, like completely was like, I am not going to be able to make it home from here. Now, it's like 22 degrees here on Sunday and sunny. And it was only after watching these videos, I was like, am I am I mad not to be a guy with a bottle of water when I sweat this much? 
I'm asking you, but you just don't sweat. Like, I just, I can't get over how little you sweat and how we've never really discussed <laughs> that there's a big difference between the sweaty runner and the runner like you, who looks like they're, they're bone dry. <laughs> we're out in the run, we're doing hills. You, you don't sweat. What is that about, first of all? Well, the day we were running in Richmond Park, it was a bit cool that day. It wasn't super mm. hot. I would sweat a fair bit in the in London, particularly the humidity there can get you, I think, mm. more than anything else. Um, and, you know, that's probably your 22 degrees, but it's opposite. it would also the humidity would be fairly high because it always is. In yes. London. Yeah. It seems to be there's always like a heaviness you know, in the air. Mm. But I think, I don't know, it's hard to carry water. I mean, how would you carry it? It's that so uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Because Mikey I mean, was I the one never... that piped up and said, that's how, that's why you ran the PB in, in Cove, Daddy, because they had those water stations. <laughs> and I said, Mikey, you go around St. Albans then and set up those water stations. But he said, what's to stop you? Mikey's point was, what's to stop you from just calling into the inn and the park in St. Albans when you pass it by at 10k and nip it in and buying a bottle of water, having a sup and getting going again? I mean, is that the answer for somebody who doesn't really want to be lugging a bottle along? Yeah, well, I have definitely done that before in the past. A number of times I've called into places. I remember one time, I think it was a couple of years ago, I was in Cove and I went out running um, with one of the guys, John Walsh, I think it was from the Triathlon Club. And we went and did this long run that goes up the Blackrock railway line and it ends up at Blackrock Castle. And um, it was a nice day and you know, when the sun is, this full sun is when you start to sweat a lot and you start to lose a lot of water. But if it's kind of, there's a bit of a breeze, you don't notice you're sweating as much. So anyway, we called into the Blackrock Castle, was a kind of turnaround point. And I said, I need to run into the loo here, as I do. And <laughs> so, you know, this lovely restaurant at Blackrock Castle. And I just go and nicely talk to the guys there and said, do you mind if I use the facilities? And in I go, and in on the way out, do you mind if I have a glass of water? <laughs> and meanwhile, John is outside, and you know, because he's kind of like keeping his distance, not wanting to be like, oh my yeah. God, I can't believe she's, she's going in here. <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, if he'd come a bit closer, he could have had a gla- glass of water too. And then I, and he was dying, you know. I, at one point, I think he, he really struggled on the way back. And I was fine because I had had my water. Well, this so it is does it. make a big yeah. difference. And like a lot of people would be concerned about stopping. And, oh, no, I've got to do a continuous run. Mm. But I think if you can find a spot on your run where you can stop and, you know, get a bottle of water, then I would 100 percent mark it in as part of your run. It's it's a great idea to do that because it's so annoying to carry water. And the thing is, it's not, you know, you could get away with carrying a full bottle of water because the balance is there. But as soon as you drink something out of it, then the water is sloshing up and down. Exactly. Exactly. And you're trying to carry it along and... Yeah, no, I, I definitely couldn't be doing that. And I think it's just it, it, the way it, it kind of um, throws you off then because you've got an extra weight on one side of you. So I wouldn't be wanting to do that. And intrigued. another thing. Yeah, go ahead. I, another, another thing I did last year when I was in Park City last year and I used to go for a few runs and I used to go down at the track and I would actually go and drop a bottle of water the night before and hide it away somewhere. No <laughs> And so then, and I put it in a position where, you know, it's not obvious and nobody's going to find it and it'll be fine. Because uh, a lot of the time these days, there's not water taps or fountains available. Yeah, and I wouldn't trust them either. A lot of them were, a lot of them were shut off during mm. COVID. 
and they were never turned back on again. And yeah, you know, you wouldn't be sure of what the water would be that you'd be getting there. So yeah, I mean, if you have the time to go out and, you know, somewhere along your route, hide <laughs> a bottle of water. a bottle up a tree. I've never yeah. even thought of doing it. But and I, then if you're doing if you're doing laps, then you can come back again. You know, you can go out and then come back and, you know, have different. But then you just need to make sure you go and pick it up later on. I mean, it's uh, it seems so silly, doesn't it? That it's a revelation in our running journey here that <laughs> 18 months in. <laughs> Jar realizes that he can train harder if he drinks some water on his long run. But, you know, I just couldn't understand. And maybe other people listening to this are having the same experience that in their long run, in these warmer months, they're, you know, hitting a wall or tapering off. The speed is disappearing. That's certainly what happened to me. But uh, obviously, I was getting dehydrated and I'm kind of excited now to think oh, what what's going to happen next, because just a little, even just a little sup of it will make a difference. We have Trev coming on later, but we do need to do a couple of shout outs around the parishes, Sonia. Brian, roll the music. The first one I have, it's actually someone I know. Uh, we're allowed to pick people we know every yeah. now and then. Um, but this is um, Rob Grummet and he's down in Mentone Athletics Club in one of the suburbs there in Melbourne but he ran 60.8 kilometres an Alpine challenge so I think it was it looks like wow. it was probably supposed to be a 60k event but he got nearly an extra kilometre in there um, and around Falls Creek up in the Alpine region over the weekend and very impressive to be out there for 7 hours wow. and 59 minutes can you imagine like that's more than I that's more than I sleep every night <laughs> That's insane. Congratulations to him. A big congratulations to Melissa Mannion, who ran the Connor Marathon on uh, Sunday. And it looked like it was absolutely gorgeous out there. Uh, she wanted to give a big shout out to all the volunteers and to all the supporters out there. I mean, that's a marathon I'd love to do uh, at some point because that just looked stunning. But I'd imagine that the Connemara Marathon could go either way, <laughs> that you could be battered up and down the place by a wind and or just as easily get what Melissa Mannion had, which was just glorious blue sky reflecting off the water. Who's your next one? So the next one I have is um, Kean Ryan and Kean he's in Budapest, but he's from Wexford. So I, I, enjoy, I liked his run here because he ran around this island in Budapest. It's called Margaret Island and it's in the Danube. I remember I actually ran on this island myself when I was there for the um, European Championships in um, 1998. Very nice. I was there with, with Frank O'Mara and it's a, it's an amazing little island. So the run he did was eight kilometres from where he started and ran around. But it's kind of cool that there's an island in the middle of the river and you can run out on there. And even on this island, there's an athletics track. Magic. Strangely. And uh, so when I was there for the European Championships, it was between days of the 10,000 metres and the 5,000 metres. And uh, my coach, Alan Story, had set me a session and to do a track session, a few you know, little things at 5k mm. pace between the races. And myself and Frank went and ran onto this island and uh, did our little track session, which was fantastic because it's not always easy to get onto a track when you're at the championship, you know, quietly without too many people around the place. And this was this nice little quiet track on Margaret Island, a little secret spot, I think, uh, in Budapest where people can go run and ride the bike. And it looks like lots of, you know, outdoor activities people can do on their gardens and 
different things. So if you're in Budapest anytime, we've, we've got you go. covered. Yeah, that's the place <laughs> to go. We've got you covered there. Yeah. yeah. Finn, Finn Quill, uh, I gave him a shout out on Twitter because he ran the uh, Brooklyn Marathon, his first ever sub three marathon. Now, Finn, we all know how big of a deal that is. But this was obviously an even bigger deal because he has dedicated that uh, run to his father. So shout out to you, Finn Quill in Brooklyn. Uh, massive, massive achievement. And everybody here is uh, saying congratulations to you. Uh, and the kudos are flying in there in the Irishman running abroad running club. Do you have one more there for us, Sonia, or are we, are we good? No, that's about it. I yeah. think the only other person I was shouting out was Whitey, but we've uh, we've given him the big shout out already. OK, brilliant. Well, look, you mentioned pace there, right? This is the question when we're starting out on this 10K thing, that nobody really knows what their 10K pace should be. Now, later on in the conversation with Trevor, you tell us about a little bit of uh, mathematical jiggery pokery that you can do to calculate what you should be running your 10k in. You'll have to come over to patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad to hear that. But in terms of your 10k pace, is there a way of calculating that or what should people be thinking when they're trying to train at their 10k pace? Well, it's a little bit slower than 5k pace and it's a little bit faster than half marathon pace. So it's faster than your threshold pace, uh, which we do a lot of training at that kind of pacing. And it's you know, it's quite difficult to get the sweet spot in the 10K because it doesn't, it was known as a mini marathon there for a while. And um, it was a lot of women's races, women's only races started off as a mini marathon, 10 kilometers. It was kind of a, an easier thing to do. It's a quarter distance of mm. the marathon, just about. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, the impression is 10K, it's not too bad. Six miles, but it's still a fair you're out there for a good i suppose from depending what level you're at from 30 minutes to an hour you know mm. so depending on where you're at that's where you've got to slot in how long do you think it's going to take you to cover 10 kilometers and i think for yourself i mean i think a very realistic target is you know to set a benchmark of 45 minutes okay we're going to break 45 minutes mm. now there's no doubt you should be able to do that um, and then it's just how much greater you want to push that. Now, I had a thing there a few years ago. It was um, 10K in less than 40 minutes or, if you can't do that, faster than your age. Right, yeah. And I remember there was consternation when you said this on the show. <laughs> People had their eyes <laughs> pop out again. of their head when you said, oh, you should be able to run 10K in under 40. And people were like, what? And then you you kind of walked it back a bit and said that you should be able to run it in under your age. I don't think that's such a crazy thing. And I can kind of I feel a challenge coming on. So I don't know if I can go under 40, but I might be able to go under 41. Have, is that your own calculation that you come up with there or uh, is that so, did you get that somewhere else? No, the age was just something I was doing for myself okay. because when I was when I was 40, that was my thing was that I had to get under 40. And yeah. then as as the years went by and I couldn't get under 40 anymore, I had to come up with something else. <laughs> so this was this was always plan B. Now, I think realistically for you for next weekend, I think under 41 would mm. probably be a bit out there. Yeah. Um, but I think it's not impossible that you would aim to do that, you know, later, somewhere later, later in, in the, the summer. Year. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So I think for, 
you know, this coming weekend, I think you should aim for, you know, sub 45. Um, and then based on your recent park run, which was 21.49. Now, I didn't realize, is that a PB for your park run? Um, I think it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, yeah. Pretty good. Pretty OK. Yeah. So all things considered, you know, over the past few weeks, then I think that's that's a great effort. And I think if we use that as your current fitness hmm. and generally what we say is to um, you double your 5K time and add a minute. Hmm. Okay. And that will give you a good idea of where you could be for 10K. So based on that, then I have you down at 43.38. Oh, God, this is uh, getting very nerve wracking now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So I that would be... I haven't done the exact calculations on that, but it's somewhere between 425 to 430 per kilometer. Now, if you don't start out too fast, so if you start out at 420, no faster than 420 per kilometer, mm -hmm. then I think you definitely would have a good shot at getting right in around, you know, the mid 433s. Exciting. 40, well, yeah, 43.30s. I bumped into Andy Normoil after that uh, that park run. It was a beautiful day out here in St. Albans. I, I know that everybody enjoyed their park run this weekend around these two islands because the weather was just so perfect for it. Not too warm, beautiful, bright day. And all the doggies were out attached to their owners. And I bump into Andy Normoil after he is uh, obviously of Striders, St. Albans Striders running club here. I mean, the man is in the shape of his life, Sonia, 54 years old and running his own running classes for beginners here in St. Albans. And, you know, we ducked away for a coffee afterwards, which, again, is one of the great benefits of the park run is the post race or the post run coffee. And he tells me that, uh, you know, I'd been explained that I hadn't been able to get to Strider's track sessions because of Mikey's basketball, which is obviously more important than my track. I get that. We've got to get him to his basketball. Basketball's coming to an end. And Andy Normal tells me, well, we actually have a kind of an elite group, the sub 20, <laughs> <laughs> sub 25 Kers meet on a Wednesday night at the track. If you fancied it now. I don't know, Sonia, is that too much? Like he extended the invitation. But is there a benefit? This is my question on behalf of the listeners. Is there a benefit on trying to train with a training group? You know, you're really trying to squeak in here with this group that you're probably going to be the last person in the pack of this group. Is it worth pushing yourself to go with your faster group then kind of sitting in your comfort zone and going down to the track with the group that you know you're you're right up there at the front of. I think it's definitely worth going down to check it out, you know, at least once and see what it looks like, because mm. you never know these things until you get there. Yeah. I mean, on paper, they can look a lot harder mm. or they can look a lot easier, depending on which way you look at it. But I think if you go down there in the right frame of mind that you're not going to go down there and smash yourself, but you're going to go down there and see what's going on. And now if it looks a bit beyond you, then you just have to break it down a little bit. And if they were doing kilometer repeats, then you might do 800s or, mm. you know, you, you, you would kind of make it so that it fits into, you know, what works for you. So you run at their, instead of trying to run slower, you would run at the pace that they're doing the session, but maybe for a shorter amount of time. Gotcha. Or gotcha. Short, a shorter distance. So they, and then you'd eventually get good at it. So what you do is you push yourself to a certain point that you know, okay, I should be able to do this because I can run under 20 minutes for 5K, mm. but maybe I'm not ready for this level of intense training right now. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to lose contact with that pace either. So it's good to tap into 
the pace that you ideally would be comfortable running regularly. Right. So well, you, go at, go. you just kind of remi- remind yourself of what it feels like and just kind of look at the session. And, and, and you know, they sound like a, a good group of guys who you could talk to and, you know, you'd say, oh, I don't know about that now. And they would, I think, be able to help you out as well. And there may be others doing a similar thing because sub 20 group doesn't mean that they're all in sub 20 shape. I mean, everybody's at different stages of their their training. Hmm. And, you know, like you, there'd be some people who would be coming back from injury. There'd be some who might have done a marathon and they're coming back from that. And then there will be others who are flying along. So, you know, there's there's a space for everybody in the train that'll be running yeah. around the track. And you just need to find the spot and, and the person that you're comfortable running beside. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll do. I'll give it a give it a crack. I'll go down on Wednesday. I might take a couple of voice notes to let you know how it goes. But like you say, the club atmosphere is you know, where it's at. And I really do, if we could close this half of the episode, I really do encourage people who are listening to this, who are just at the moment kind of plodding along, doing their own thing, you know, enjoying listening to their music out on their run, to even if you just join for the nominal fee, your local running club, there'll be one night of the week where there's a gang going out for a long run somewhere. And I have to say, you know, the crack of that, Sonia's been kind of suggesting to me for a long time, it is transformative. It does it does manifest something completely different in your experience of this new thing. Uh, so that would be my tip of the week. What's your tip of the week, Sonia, before we go to the break? Tip of the week, 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 tip of the week. It's Sonia's tip of the week. My tip of the week is to to talk to people. And there's so many people out there, you know, doing the same thing that we're doing, all different levels, of course. But I think to just talk to people, and I find that's just being here. And um, there's so many different athletes and so many different coaches around the place. And, you know, to me, I don't really, I'm not very familiar with Flagstaff. And I think you learn more by talking to people mm. and just getting their feel for stuff and listening to people. And taking their advice. And that's the big thing. I think you can talk to people, you can ask questions, but I think you have to listen. And and when you're listening, you have to actually hear what they're saying mm. and and kind of take take their advice, you know, because you all, we all have our own ideas of what we want to do. But I think to broaden, you know, the horizons and the information that we all have, it's a great idea to speak to people who are actually on the ground and who know the area, locals and um, get, take the advice and, mm. and try things out. And then maybe you don't like it. Like it was funny, I went, there's um, lots of different parks around here. And one day last week, I went to this park called Buffalo Park. And I was I was lying in bed and I was like, I made my mind up that this is where I was going. And I was heading out there, but it was one of the windiest days <laughs> out there. And I knew it wasn't a good idea to go there on a windy day because I'd heard these things, that, big wide open spaces. Yeah. And then I thought, but sure, it's going to be windy everywhere, so I might as well go and try it out. <laughs> so I went up to this park, and it was actually a lovely park, and the surface was fantastic. It was the nicest place I had run, but the wind would cut through you, and there was snow and everything up there. <laughs> it was like <laughs> hailstones coming down at me. But I didn't care because I'd actually gone and discovered this park, and I thought, you know, I'm glad I came here now and tried something different. And then I was down the track. I think it was actually, it was the same night on the Friday night. And I told a few people I'd been to Buffalo Park. And of course, 
they were all laughing at me because they're like, it's a bit of a windy day to be going there. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. And, and I know that thing, now. You know, if, <laughs> yeah. if, but if I had asked someone, you'd asked, or, yeah. said, suggested that I was going to Buffalo Park, everyone said, I know, don't go to windy day. But the thing is, sometimes you just have to go and do these things. And I know now the next time I go, it'll be so much nicer because it won't be windy. And it, yeah, I mean, it is it is funny, the whole ask and listen and absorb it all uh, that we are reluctant to ask sometimes but the amount of times you benefit from admitting that you don't know that like just even that just admission holding up your hand and going look I don't I don't actually know what I'm doing here (laughs) is actually the beginning of something really good for you in your life never mind running like I definitely know that Irishman Abroad wouldn't be here if uh, after the first interview I did where I tried to edit it myself <laughs> I picked up the phone and rang Brian Connolly and said look you know how to do this can you do it probably wouldn't be talking to you now if I hadn't, if I hadn't done that and listened to what Brian Connolly had said so brilliant tip of the week Sonia we'll go back over to patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad for the second half of the show Trevor Cummins is going to dial in on the live line and we'll talk to you guys over there one of the keys to like maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise wise. Imagine, you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress. <laughs> 